Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's Fall Victim. And what a fall it was. As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, every week we talk about one alkaline trio song this week david anthony tim crisp it's fall victim uh when i first saw this song title on crimson Mm -hmm. obviously i know the expression but i was like i wonder if he is writing a weird song about like someone who was murdered in the fall like i was just (laughs) there was a it was a period of time where i was like i feel like they were getting a little too punny and i just couldn't trust them to not go that route well when i saw this song win our poll on patreon patreon.com slash as you were even though we went through the process of picking the songs for the poll putting the songs up in the poll, seeing Fall Victim win the poll by a mere vote. One Mm -hmm. single vote. I still woke up this morning and said, we've done Fall Victim though, right? I'm pretty sure we've done Fall Victim, but I think that's just where we are in this podcast, David Anthony, where no matter what, I'm going to be convinced that we've already done the song that we're talking about I this week. I feel like so we are now like a hundred and nearly forty episodes into this. I think that's just gonna be. Um because I'm gonna be. looking at the list of songs and there's ones where it's like I could have guaranteed we did it, but that does not look to exist. <laughs> so there we are. Um and this one I mean I think I think all the Crimson stuff to a degree because we resequenced it and litigated that out. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to have we resequenced that. That was over on Patreon, right? On Patreon, Patreon. as you were. Uh, mm-hmm. Patreon. Um, and this is one of those songs that, like, yeah, I did not expect it to win. I'm kind of glad it did, but I, I don't know. I assume that some of the other songs we put up there, at least two of them, might have been a little more fan favorites than this one but hey i i love to be surprised and wrong uh so that's where we are like being surprised nothing like being wrong and we're here we're here talking about a song that is extraordinarily functional Mm -hmm. on the album crimson this is a song that follows sadie sadie we recently talked about as being such a large such a cinematic moment like you know the the band really just taking themselves to extraordinary levels and then you got to follow that Mm -hmm. and how do you follow a song like sadie well fucking turn up the gas and hit me with some octaves baby yeah i mean it's so well done that it like it's hard for me to imagine this record without it because of how well it functions there and then i think 
you know, it's it's a real boost of energy after Sadie. It's a lot more direct. And it sets up I Was a Prayer very nicely, too, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think it's that run is just very strong. Like, those three songs together, I think, is, like, actually one of the best sequence spots on the album. Um, Absolutely. For a record that we have complained about the sequence with to no end. Um but I think, yeah, like there's something about it where Sadie's so big, so sweeping, so cinematic. And then you just have this very direct, literally like a one note riff, except for, or one chord riff, except for a couple extra thrown on at the end. And it's just really effective. It feels to me, and I think has always felt to me, like a somewhat more superior version of like a deathbed or um, mm-hmm. even the poison, which I think kind of function in similar ways on this record. Um, but I think I've always preferred this one. And I think part of it, when I was really listening back to it today, it's it's really economical. It moves really kind of quickly from part to part. It's mm-hmm. not a lot of lyrics. And it is kind of a slow build to a point and then just down and up again. It's a nice little ride. But it's also a song that feels like it could have been on Good Morning to me. Like, I feel like I could have heard this on that record, and I don't know if I ever really made that connection to it until listening to it today. Oh, that's interesting. What do you think about listening to it today made it, like, sing good morning to you the way that it did? Well, I think there's two things. I think one is I was thinking a lot about, like, I think the drum work is really great on this song. I I think Mm. Derek is doing a lot, but I think it's kind of required of him here. But I think a lot about that big kind of drum roll he does at the start of the choruses that links everything. Mm. And it feels like that kind of connects to what he was doing on a song. Like we've had enough, but bringing it in a little more muted way, putting it in a core kind of a chorus part, as opposed to an intro thing, which I really Mm. like. Um, And I also think that it just like kind of, I mean, the reason I think it, doesn't that there is like this hinges so much on matt's voice that i think this song always felt really clean to me but if i was imagining him singing it with that kind of shredded good morning voice i don't think it would feel that way and Mm. the reason i say that is because uh i listened to the demo that was on crimson deluxe which is just a vocalist version of this song essentially Mm -hmm. Um, not the same recording, but the song is basically there. Like the, the nuts and bolts, how it gets from A to B is all there. The parts are pretty locked in, but without vocals, just listening to the music when it's more streamlined without some of the more ornate production in the verses and choruses, I was Mm -hmm. like, Oh, this is just kind of straight ahead. And I think this is a song that on Crimson really benefits from the production it makes it feel bigger like more is happening than when you listen to that demo or like what would essentially be a live version it's Mm kind of straightforward yeah totally because you you do have like a really abrupt stop when the verse comes in it's just matt and that like nice like palm muted little pattern underneath him and but when you listen closely you realize that like ah there's a there's a few things going on like guitar wise in those layers that stop is like so clean 
And when Derek comes in on that chorus with that role, which is so big, mm-hmm. it's so down in the mix. Yep. It's such it's such a low thing that like it's it's not like you don't notice it, but a role like that higher up would just like that's what you come out of a bridge into a last chorus with Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and having it low down like that is cool because like matt's vocal really does like carry it and that's over open chords and then having that drum like down in the mix like that it's cool it adds like a it's not like so um adrenaline fueled but it is like a nice way to like move that chorus yeah and i think that's the thing is like this is i i think like a lot of the best songs on this record they really make use of the production and i don't feel like it's i don't feel like all the songs are really mixed the same i don't feel like they really did a cut and paste production job i feel like everything's really attended to um and this song is a good example of that like if you've not heard just the straight band demo which you can pull up on youtube was on the deluxe edition Give it a listen and then listen to this because what you hear is, again, like a more kind of punchy, straightforward, quote unquote, punk version of the song, which I think is Mm. good morning style. And then when you hear this, it's them really leaning into the fact they have all these tools at their disposal. They can be a little, you know, I don't want to say more focused, but I think a little more patient with it. Um, And I think it gives it a really nice vibe. Like, I think when they, again, not to compare it directly to other songs that I don't think are as strong, but like, I think what, what I think makes a song like deathbed not really work for me is how much it feels like they're going for it. And they're putting that thick layer of production Mm -hmm. shimmer on it. And this doesn't feel that way. I think there's more room in the song. There's more open space to your point. Like that drum roll is mixed pretty low and kind of builds until they go into that more straight ahead end of chorus part. And I think that's just a really, uh, it just feels more subtle for a song that could be rendered in such a straightforward and obvious fashion. Um, and I yeah, think, totally. I think that's what Crimson, the best parts of Crimson do in full, which is understand how to just like not really change parts, not really change chords, not really change keys, take what's there, but just tweak it like five to 10 degrees, one direction. And I think this song achieves that at a point in the record where it really, really needs it. Because, yeah, again, coming out of Sadie and you're still only about like just over halfway through, mm-hmm. you need, I think you need a song like this more than a lot of others because you need something to connect it and keep people interested, make them feel like this record is congealing but also make them feel kind of excited and up-tempo again because there's not a ton of that here. Yeah. Something that I came to appreciate over listening to this a few times was the fact that this song like really isn't about anything. It's just like a good uh, composition of really solid one-liners yes. and very good parts. Um, <laughs> you know, they're maybe an accident or something that inspired it but really it's just like oh we played those records backwards too many times that seems to be 
in our alkaline trio lexicon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this song lyrically really feels like calling it Mad Libs would be disparaging, but like mm-hmm. it's basically putting all the pieces together of like it's got this kind of spookyish aura. You know, it's kind of playing with the sa- satanic thing, like the down on my knees, but not to pray or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But it's got some really kind of clever lines in it, too. Um, the one that kind of follows that of like being hit so hard it buckled his legs, I find is like such like a, oh, that's like a really unique turn of phrase to bring in here. Yeah, totally. Um, I, <laughs> okay, so the down on my knees but not to pray and then later on i came i came too close to heaven uh-huh We're, are we not supposed to read uh some very sexual overtones and all that i mean i kind of wondered about that myself because i think it's i think it's purposeful like i think it's mm-hmm. very tongue in cheek wink wink um but I think this song, like you said, it it doesn't feel like that's connected to the other parts of this to me. Right. Like, it just feels like those are there for the sake of being there. Um, and, like, the only line that I've ever been able to, like, read into in any way is, is the combination, or two lines, I guess, is the combination of backwards too many times, playing the records backwards, and the double suicide on your television and I was like, is this about the Judas Priest thing? The, like, suicide right. scene where, like, kids listen, played Better By You, Better Than Me backwards and thought it was telling them to kill themselves, and they did. Um, yeah. Which is unfortunate in a lot of ways, because that's, like, very fucking bleak and dark and unfortunate. But I don't know if that's a reference he's actually making, because I also don't know what that has to do with a television yeah, I mean the the Judas Priest thing, as you said, the song's better about you, better than me. There were two kids in I think Texas that had a suicide pact, and one of them survived. Mm-hmm. And then I think the mother of the one who didn't survive sued the band. Yes, and the allegation was that there was a subliminal do it in the song and you, you they would show it a lot on vh1 yes in like uh you know 100 most controversial uh countdowns and, and rob halford's actually on the witness stand talking uh or testifying and they're saying is there a subliminal do it on your record and he's like no and then they cut to rob halford being do what? I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember that defense a lot where he's like, do it. Does that mean drive your car? And like, mm-hmm. and I also remember there was the Ozzy Osbourne one, which uh, I think the song was Suicide Solution, but that song mm-hmm. very obviously was about alcohol. Uh, yeah. I could see why maybe that uh, at the time, those two words together portrayed something, but uh, given the actual substance of it... Um, even Ozzy Osbourne is surprised that he's lived this long. I boy, um, <laughs> and he's really getting close there in a lot of ways. So respect to Oz. Um, but yeah, I David, mean, I got some other examples of uh, uh, songs that have hidden messages when played in reverse. If you like lay to them hear on them. me. All right, so we've got in Stairway to Heaven. Uh, there's a 
cackling, but people have said that you can decipher, here's to my sweet Satan. Okay. Fuck Led Zeppelin, terrible song. Mm -hmm. Uh, Revolution number nine, this is a big part of the Paul is Dead conspiracy. Uh, If you play Revolution number nine by the Beatles backwards, you hear uh, someone saying, turn me on, dead man. (laughs) Turn me on, dead man. Uh, Slayer Hell awaits. Um, Join us over and over again Mm -hmm. if you listen backwards so i believe that one is deliberate if i recall also like i don't know why someone would need to play a slayer record backwards because it's all kind of just there but if you need to (laughs) sure it's also like it seems to be a very 80s controversy like it seems to be very enveloped in that like cults are taking over teen life and that has uh that has imprinted itself onto matt in so many songs that we've talked about with this band um arkansas three prevent this tragedy prevent this tragedy that was a whole that all was just like satanic cults Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. anybody who who uh dresses a certain way is in a satanic cult it's weird thing that was like that just took over a good five years of like the national conversation yeah the whole like kind of satanic panic thing is is really interesting in a lot of ways and i mean there is so many ties between satanism and the occult and like sketchy politics and also not sketchy. it's just like it's it's a very mm-hmm. it's hard to paint with a broad brush with it but in the american version it's just very much like church of satan anton lavey blah 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 blah, blah heavy mm-hmm. metal rock music whatever and it's just kind of funny to think about how moralizing a lot of this stuff was and like to look at all of these things like to break down the ones that like you kind of brought up like you know, with the Judas Priest thing, it doesn't, it seems more incidental. And it's also like, you know, Rob Halford, uh, and most of that band, I, there's not a lot of like ugliness in their music really. Um, you know, Ozzy Osbourne with Black Sabbath was like very openly left wing, you know, Mm -hmm. anti-war, anti all this shit. Like, and then to even go to the Beatles, it's like, that seems really just like we are reaching for something. And I think part of this is like, you know, there is that whole thing with like perception is reality. Right. So like Mm -hmm. if you play something backwards and hear it a certain way, who's to say you're wrong in the same way that like you and me being like, Oh, are these lines kind of sexual? Maybe that's not the actual intention, but that is how it is perceived. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's just really fascinating because, like, by that point in the mid-2000s, when this record's coming out, like, there is a bigger um, kind of mainstream acceptance of, like, darker, gothier stuff. You know, th- we've talked it to death, but, like, if I, My Chemical Romance, a lot of, like, that type of, like, quote-unquote emo stuff that was around, like, it was all embracing a very dark, insular aesthetic. Mm. And... 
I don't know if this is sort of a meta commentary on that or not, or, or just again, like a collection of things just kind of stapled together to lyrically evoke a feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, but regardless, like, I think it doesn't really need to explain itself too much because it's, it's kind of just, it's to me always read as just like a general, like we're outsiders who are into weird stuff and that is what it is, you know? And that's fine. Like it doesn't, it's not super profound, but it's performed with a lot of conviction. I feel, I think that it really hits on like the nose that Matt does when he's like at his best he's hitting you with something that is very clever, pretty punny, and just exists in that whole world. So it's like, with a wink, like, yeah, maybe that's what it is. We played our records backwards too many times. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's like, I don't know, I I was looking up some stuff today just because I was just, like, reminded of... um, I was thinking about when they did the Occult Roots tour, which was 2006, and mm. it was basically after Crimson was out, and that was when they decided, it was famously when they did all of God Damn It, and then it was like the Blood Pact voted like fan set list at the end. Um, and it's just kind of funny to think because there's a statement from Matt about it. He's like, oh, I feel like you know our back catalog is has kind of been... Uh, you know, relegated to being moved out of the set. And we want to like show everybody that like, you know, we wanna, all the people who've been loyal to us. We want to play those songs. Da, 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 da. And just looking at a lot of the imagery, like they were really in 2006 leaning into the like 2006, six, six type stuff, like really uh-huh. grabbing at the low hanging fruit and like calling the, the official name of that tour was like um, the occult roots of alkaline trio, eerie songs for eerie people tour, which is like really fucking long. Um, but like they were really kind of laying it on thick, not really during Crimson, but immediately after just mm. like really playing that shit up. I even think with like the cover of remains, like the guy with like the, you know, butcher oh, thing yeah. and the like, I feel like that's the, from good morning to about there, it really kind of starts with good morning and then just kind of amplifies, not even just in like album art and shit. You know, like it almost feels like they're trying to do a Jack the Ripper cover for Crimson or some shit, but like (laughs) then it just really kind of plays up and then kind of dissipates entirely. It's very interesting to me. Yeah, maybe got maybe Matt got a library card and he was like, you know what, I I'm gonna go and see what sort of alchemy texts I can find. And then someone was like, dude, have you ever heard of archive.org? They got everything. Mm-hmm. Basically. <laughs> um, I like this song a lot. The um, time. They don't, they don't do that too often. No. That's a cool move. And you think about like the way these like parts transition from one to the other. There's always like something. It's either like abrupt or you got like that fucking long ass fill or it just like cuts out and it's just vocal. Yeah, I mean it's a lot of builds and a lot of drops essentially like mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of stuff that's kind of slowly building underneath until it hits and then just like boom it's gone now. Um which again I think is like could sound very 
pieced together, but I think the song still feels very natural. And I actually think it works. Like all those moves actually, like I think very much serve it and make it feel unique and like necessary and adventurous in a not going super far on a ledge kind of way uh, to Mm -hmm. speak more about suicide. Um, (laughs) But I want to bring up the fact that like, so I don't do this for every song as listeners know, but sometimes I do. And it's usually for songs like this where I'm like, you know, I've seen this band a lot over the years. Uh, what What's the song like live? And so I go to YouTube and I pull up the past live videos because from what I remember, I think some of the uh, digital only versions like on Spotify have been augmented a little bit to correct some issues. <laughs> But from the Crimson performance, which I was there for, um, they go into this song, ripping through it. Very cool. Then we get to the verse, and Matt is not doing his best. And, like, lyrically, he's kind of staring at the teleprompter, which is fine. I did, Whatever. Don't care. When someone's doing like 90% of the songs they've ever written in their life over the course of four days, some mistakes are allowed and some assistance is fine. But he's like, he, boy, he nails those first two chords and then forgets the rest of them. And because it's a part where it's really just kind of palm muted to him, it's not like he can just drop out and sing because then there's nothing happening. So he just kind of battles through it. Um, and if you've not seen it, it's worth it just because it's it's a little rough, is the way I would put it. Um, not so easy to sing in key when you keep hitting the wrong chords. <laughs> it's just one of those where it, it sticks out so much because it's, it's not it's like he's just... miles off, but he's like... He's just enough off to make it really kind of painful. I'm going to play around tonight with that video and throwing it into auto-tune and see what we can do with that. Oh, boy. That will be fucking something. What I would like to say is that um, I really do like after the second chorus into the bridge into the last chorus for all of these uh, builds and drops, the way it just like plows through and i love the end Mm -hmm. of this song just we wasted our and then that little instrumental passage to close it out very smooth yeah i I think it's just it's really well done i like because they use that time part so much at the ends of choruses i like changing that up for the end it makes it feel distinct and again i think the way they close it and then going into i was a prayer is really smooth and like really gives that song its own vibe and feel. And I think, yeah, that stitch together just works so well for me. Um, that like, yeah, this is a song that I don't, I think if you ask me what I think of fall victim randomly, I'd be like, yeah, cool song, but really actually thinking about how much it's doing musically and how much weight it's carrying. Like mm. I, it's, it's kind of a very necessary part of a record where it's like, yeah, it's a deep cut, but like, it's it's really holding some stuff together on a record that can feel very kind of hodgepodge at times. Absolutely. What do you rate it? I'm going to give it three and a half. And I'm going to give it three and a half too. And I felt like I was low rating 
with my three and a half. I was, I mean, I it was a question of three and a half or four, right? Mm-hmm. And I could make a case for either mm-hmm. because I do enjoy it. I do feel like I don't enjoy it as much in isolation. Yeah. So that brings it down a hair. But, you know, it's above the midway point. Midway point is 2.5. Anything above that to me, good song. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's in that space between good song and what I would consider like a really great song. Um, and those are hard to rank <laughs> because my feelings could change day to day. But right now I think it's just like, yeah, like looking ahead to some of these songs that we have left as the list kind of winnows and gets smaller. There's a lot that oh, I feel don't even. I feel I like can't. occupy weird spaces and I'm very excited to find out how I feel about them. As you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio, every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. This week it was Fall Victim. We invite you to join us next week when we talk about another song by the Alkaline Trio. You, the way you say as we winnow away. Oh man, we don't have we don't have infinite time on this podcast. Maybe on this earth, depending on who you believe. Mm-hmm. But for now, uh this is a podcast that we do every week because we just really like spending time together. That's why we started doing it in the first place. That's why we continue to do it. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were. As we mentioned, you can vote on the songs that we talk about. We also do some long form over there. We got some swag, some new swag coming out that I am personally very excited about. If if you've not signed up or if you are a patron, um, I don't want to give it away. Uh, but if you are a fan of older Alkaline Trio merch designs, it's a little nod to that. It's all a little same. nod, a little wink. This is a podcast, so just picture it. Just picture it. We'll be back next week. We will see you then. Thank you, friends. <laughs> <laughs>